0: Good afternoon, Cougars fans. We would like to introduce you to a brand new podcast called Defending Wine Mountain. My name is Bryce Noakes. And I'm Joseph Hovey. We are both communication students at BYU, studying sports media. And we would like to um, welcome you to our new adventure in the podcast world. Um, We will bring you up to date stats and update info on sports all around uh, the campus.
1: Yeah, you get get your, your big time interviews and your major talk from um, BYU Sports Nation, from Cougar Sports Saturday. But we want to bring you a little bit of a different angle, something that uh, comes from within campus right here in Provo, um, something that the students are experiencing and seeing um, as BYU fans here. And before we get into our main content today, we want to kind of give you a little segment called This Is Why to introduce both of us and why we're here behind the mic.
0: So my name is Bryce Snokes. I'm from Riverton, Utah. Um, I was born and raised up as a Cougar fan. Um, Both my parents and my family are not huge into sports, but I've always been huge into sports. Um, Saturday was my favorite day because it was the only day I could really watch sports when you don't have cable. Um, But some of my favorite moments as a Cougar fan was watching the Miracle on TV, being in person for um, for Jamal Williams, breaking the single game rushing record. I was on the front row for that. It was the last game I watched before I went on my um, lds service mission and you know just being able to see all these amazing moments in history um, also being at byu it's been also really cool to cover those as i do work for byu tv sports that inside look and you know, getting paid to watch sports isn't that bad of a deal
1: yeah yeah uh, like bryce i uh, am a product of ute country you might say you know we're both from uh North of that point on I 15, where in 2011, Utah unveiled its Pac 12 country banner. But um, the world is our campus, so um, that doesn't really matter. But yeah, I'm from out of Bountiful Utah. Um, And I was uh, in the womb when uh, in 1997, when BYU lost to Utah, my uh, parents were at the game. My mom started feeling sick during the game um probably because i was not happy with the outcome um as a fetus and uh, anyway they found out that they were that I was on the way shortly after the game and so um ever since then i've uh, been bleeding blue so um yeah we we were students here by BYU we're learning the art of uh of sports media and so bear with us as uh as we learn and as we share our passion for cougar sports with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like we we love the we love cougar sports. We just want to like share it with other people, and this is a good experience for all of us. And I would imagine like Joseph, you can testify this past year in Cougar Sports, at least in my opinion, it's been the most amazing year that I've ever, ever really lived through. The only other year I can maybe think of is 2016 wasn't too bad, um, but our basketball team wasn't great. Um, and the other year would be maybe 2012. Um, but this past year, we had our basketball team reach new heights, um, getting into the rankings for the first time. We had a, what I think is one of my favorite coaches, Mark Pope, in the whole entire like, country. And then we had our football team, who actually had an, uh, an opportunity to get to a New Year's Sixth Bowl, um, which I never thought I would see in my lifetime. But it was just awesome to see, even with the pandemic, things coming out of the woodworks. Um, like we are seeing every single week, we are on our toes wondering, oh, is BYU basketball gonna play? Is BYU women's basketball gonna play? Is any sport gonna actually play this week? Um, and even if they are canceled, like BYU had their game canceled with San Francisco this week, they they are, you know, working on the fly. They're like, okay, we're gonna move Pacific up. And same with like the Coastal Carolina game. You know what? Let's, let's go to Coastal Carolina on a three-day notice. Um, what are some of those events in this past year that have like really stood out to you or like a big memory in your head?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, Bryce. As I was, as I was thinking about that, um, two words came to mind to describe this last, uh, calendar year or so in in BYU athletics, and that is attention and rejuvenation. Um, attention really, I think started, uh, with, with men's basketball last season, um, Big wins over Houston, St. Mary's, obviously, Gonzaga, and an experience that um, Cougar Nation will never forget. And then that, that continues um, with this football season. Yes, the schedule was weaker than normal, and BYU was winning in a different way. Success was a little bit different in some years. Mm-hmm. Um, but the attention that came from that uh, is invaluable, I think, to the program. and something that we'll see pay dividends going forward.
0: Yeah, and I think, like with recruiting, um, people are having their eyes on BYU in this past year. And I think it's also crazy to think, like if you would have thought a year ago today, would we have like three or four people drafted? I probably would have told you no. Like I would say maybe two with like Brady Christensen and maybe Matt Bushman, because I didn't think Zach Wilson would have went to the draft or Dax Milne would have went to the draft this past year. And it's just crazy to think, like, we have an opportunity of getting three or four players drafted this past year, um, this upcoming draft, with um, maybe even more than that, because you've got Matt Bushman, you've got Kyrus Tonga, you have Zach Wilson, who's guaranteed maybe a top 10 pick. Um, you got Brady Christensen. You've got so many different players going into the draft that we could have upwards of maybe five people drafted, um, which I don't think we've ever had. And... um, byu sports it's been since 2009 since we've even had more than one person drafted in the same draft
1: yeah and i think a lot of credit here um goes to coach pope um kalani um and this isn't taking anything away from the uh, the other olympic sports um as well they've been a part of this too women's soccer obviously um advancing in the NCAA tournament, looking to make another deep run this season as with men's and women's volleyball. Um, But Tom Holmo, I think, has just cemented himself as, in my opinion, the best athletic director in the program's history, just with the circumstances he already has faced over the last 10 years with the transition to the West Coast Conference and independence. But then you put a pandemic on top of that and the unique challenges that that brought. um, He is... It just an incredible um, example of um, passion for this university and its mission and to make sure that these athletes get to play on the biggest stage.
0: No, I definitely agree with that. I think this past year, he's probably, his hair has gotten a little bit more grayer and he's probably lost a few hairs this past year because he has had probably had a most stressful job, especially with scheduling football. Cause like we went down to only having two games with Houston and North Alabama on our schedule. Like I remember when that came, I was thinking, Oh, are we, are we going to have like an only independent type schedule playing New Mexico state twice a year and like playing UConn twice a year. And I'm like, this is going to be an interesting year. Um, And I, I, I didn't think football was going to happen. Like I was, I was super, I, I could say I was a little bit more on the negative side thinking like, you know, what is going to happen? Cause I remember when like all sports were canceled on March 12th, like I was working actually at the baseball game that day and I came in I was a little bit late um, because I had class and I came in to like work the baseball game. We had dinner and then we were told all sports are canceled. And I will remember that day for almost the rest of my life just because like it was it was a very sad day. I was like, man, like all these work that these athletes have done. Um, But it's also been super cool in the past, like six to eight months to see, like, even though like we are in a pandemic, you can see they're so excited to be out on the court. Like fans are not. They're so excited to be out there and um you can see it especially in our basketball team um they, they love being out there they love like playing for mark pope and mark pope is excited to like show his fans and he wants to get people back into that marriott center more than anything um as we had him on uh the coaches show yet the other day he was mentioned like you know maybe we could do like a vaccine drive where like people pay and they'll get the vaccine right before they go into the game like he he wants someone at that gonzaga game and that's what my hope is that we have at least a few thousand fans into that gonzaga game at the end of february um but yeah like hopefully one day we'll be able to fill up the marriott center and lavelle edwards once again
1: yeah yeah so that's uh that's the stage that um we're standing on the, the um right now is um, a lot of great things happening in uh, cougar sports and specifically, right now, uh, as Bryce was mentioning, um, men's basketball is coming uh, down the stretch here in West Coast Conference play. We want to take a look at uh, the results from basketball this week, what they're facing in the coming week, and uh, some other sports that are getting started as well after uh, being delayed in the fall. So, uh, obviously, a, a tough loss on Wednesday afternoon, a kind of strange um, pandemic affected game there with uh, a seventy six seventy three loss for the men's basketball team on the road uh, at Pepperdine. Um, Bryce, what were some of your takeaways from that loss?
0: it was it was a hard game to watch. I'll be completely honest with you. Um, it was just a lot of sloppy play, and I as I was watching, um, there's just a lot of like really easy opportunities missed, like right next to the hoop. Um, well, I was just like, why are we missing these? Like we've got like Matt Harms who's missing these easy layups or these easy putbacks. And um the communication on the floor I felt like wasn't always there. And you had mentioned um a little bit before we started, like like our, our turnover game has been a struggle. Um, especially for this game. I think we had like 13, maybe 14 turnovers. Um, and that's been like the average for the team this year. Like we've just been a little bit less careless with the ball. I think also Playing a team back to back is hard. Like, like playing yeah. the same team because you, I don't know. I think like after winning once to the team, you're like, oh, you're like, okay, we can win. Like your mentality is a little different for the next game. You're not as like, like, oh, we need to go out there and like show them that we can win. Where the other team's like, you know what, they beat us. We're gonna show them that we can beat them. That's a little bit different mentality. And for some reason, we can't really beat them as consistently in Malibu, like we're six and six in Malibu play, which I find really interesting against, you know, a Pepperdine team. That's not the best, but for some reason we just can't beat them in Malibu all the time.
1: Yeah. It took a career day from the only child's uh, last February, 38 points, 14 rebounds to, to pull off a a pretty convincing victory. Um, One of the, one of my biggest takeaways from this one was uh, the, the BYU bench outscoring the starters, 38-35. And you had guys like Trevin Nell, Matt Harms, Connor Harding, who you're expecting or lying to be like seven, eight points a game minimum, mm-hmm. struggling with Harms just with six after he had a fantastic week um, against Portland and Pepperdine uh, a week previous. And then Trevin Nell and Connor Harding, just, just two points each um it, the and then the foul trouble to the foul trouble i think is something that went a little underlooked because you had Trevor Nill, uh rich Harvard and matt harms all with two pretty early in the first half and i think that kind of took the flow out of this offense
0: i definitely agree with that cuz like it's super hard especially for i feel like byu we rely unlike last year's team where we relied on our shot and like our guards this year we we're so big, heavy. We've got Matt Harms in the middle. You've got Richard Harwood. You've got um, Gideon George coming out in the middle. And just so much power down low that we can usually just like bruise our way in, in the post. Um, when we get into that foul trouble, we have to put a smaller lineup on the floor. And um, kind of like you said, like I've been really impressed by our bench. But at the same time, like why, why is it so hard for our starters to score as much? Because in this past game, the top three scorers were from the bench. Like you had... Spencer Johnson had 15 points. You had, um, I'm trying to remember who else, but you had three people from our bench getting to double figures, which I think is, you know, it's awesome for the bench, but you know, we had Alex Barcelo who struggled in that game. We had a really bad shooting game and I don't know if like Alex Barcelo's new tooth is struggling with them or, um, but by the way, his new tooth looks teeth look awesome. Um, like you can barely tell he chipped a tooth in the two games before or whatnot. um, but yeah, and then, I don't know, like, it's just really interesting to see this team. It's so much different than last year's team that every single week, every single game, you're like, okay, who's going to step up? Because, like, it's a different player almost every single game. Um, but it's, it's really fun to watch, but at the same time, you're like, why aren't we getting more of consistency with our starters?
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I like what you said earlier, Bryce, about the unique difficulty of playing a, a team back-to-back. Um, especially when there's some travel uh, interspersed between the two, um, Pepperdine um, had an opportunity to really uh, dive into their scouting report, kind of have a trial run on Saturday, and then uh, fine tune some things going into Wednesday, and uh, it was just frustrating because it wasn't it wasn't just a horrible game for BYU. There were just plays that had to be made. And Pepperdine made it. BYU yeah.
0: did. Yeah, that's true. And like, and like BYU, they had good stretches. Like, we were up by 11 at one point, but then that got dwindled down. And I think we also have to remember like, this Pepperdine team is still really good. Yeah. Um, like, they've got Colby Ross. And also, if we look at the Pepperdine game at BYU, it's not like that was an amazing game. Like, mm. it was still very kind of the same thing. Like, we just came out on top. Um the but,
1: difference was those first like 11 minutes where Colby Ross was held scoreless mm-hmm. on Saturday and and BYU really gave themselves the cushion they needed to get the W.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and like it's just been really interesting to see that difference and I think we'll see that a little bit more this season with the uh with like well have a lot more different scheduling changes just like how we're playing Pacific this upcoming Saturday. Um uh, we might have another back-to-back um somewhere on the schedule and, and you know um, Every single year, like, you go into conference play, and we start super heavy, and we start super good. Um, and then, like, we have a game like this. Like, we lose to Pepperdine. We lose to Pacific. And we lost to, like, San Francisco last year. And, like, the whole Cougar fan base, they kind of, like, freeze. We're like, okay. Like, I thought we were super good. Why are we losing to this team? And Because, like, my, my thought uh, on the – on the West uh, WCC is, like, if it's not Gonzaga or St. Mary's, we shouldn't lose, right? Um, which, you know, I think we need to understand, like, we're going to have at least one of these games a year. Like, we shouldn't freak out. This is going to be, like, at least once a year, we're going to lose to a non-St. Um, Mary's and Gonzaga team. So,
1: Yeah, I think it's – there's a dynamic um, that we, we miss with football, obviously being the – kind of the first attention sport right that's mm-hmm. that's where we are direct our attention to first and, be, and football plays independent right um there's a maybe a handful of teams that we see every year boise state utah state utah um and when you have an opponent that frequently um you understand their game plan a little bit better and you're you're better able to um prepare for them and so It's not uh it's not unusual that in a in a conference um, where you're seeing San Francisco you're seeing um, Pacific and and Pepperdine every year that some years they're just gonna have the have your number Uh, but let's let's turn the page and kind of get Cougar Nation up to date on where Cougar Hoop stands right now in the hunt for a a tournament NCAA tournament berth.
0: Um so as uh, Joe Leonardi just barely let, let out his uh bracket this past week, I believe we were
1: still at like nine, if you yeah, think right. Yeah, BYU actually doesn't in, in Lenardi's bracketology, which uh, I kinda endorse as maybe the um the, the top most authoritative one. Uh, BYU doesn't actually drop a seed line. Um there's just a little shift in our opponent he has BYU playing Louisville right now in the first round.
0: Yeah, the biggest impact that this game had is in the net, we dropped about 11 spots. Yeah. Um, and the net is like the key thing that they they watch at. But besides the net, everything else, we dropped maybe at most five spots. Like, And the the other thing we have to think is, so when we lose a game, they put it into like quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four victories, or like losses and victories. Um, and this game, it's only a quad two loss. Like we're sitting there, uh, Pepperdine is sitting right at that bubble. I think it's like 135. Right for that quad two, quad three type loss. So we, as Cougar fans, we need a root for Pepperdine to do a little bit better because as you get to Selection Sunday, um, it's good not to dip into that quad three, quad four type losses because they'll that like kind of throws everything a little bit out of whack because like they'll understand a quad one or quad two loss, but a quad three they'll be like, yeah, oh man, why is that? Um, so I don't think we need to freak out too much because we're still in a lot of brackets. Like I still see this team go to the NCAA tournament unless we have like either a big injury or a big hiccup down the road. And other thing we need to think about is, you know, with Pacific coming up, Mark Pope in his history at BYU has never lost back-to-back games. Um, And like even going back to uh, UVU, it's like it's been a few years since he's lost back-to-back games. So he's very good at bouncing his players back. He's very much of a player coach, which I really enjoy.
1: Yeah, so uh, turning the page for BYU, we've got a matchup with Pacific tomorrow at 4 p.m. Mountain Time, 6 Eastern on CBS Sports Network. The Cougars are hosting the Pacific Tigers, coached by uh, Damon Stoudemire of NBA fame in his fifth season. Uh, the Tigers are currently 5-3 and 2-2 and two and two in WCC play. Uh, don't forget that this team finished fourth um, after – BYU and St. Mary's, and last year's final WCC standings with a 23 10, 11 5 record. A team that gave BYU some fits in the first half of that game last season in Stockton. Um, and this Tigers team, they're kind of hard to figure out at this point. Mm-hmm. They have just played eight games, having a ton of cancellations and postponements, especially throughout their non conference play. Um, and as uh, They played most recently against Gonzaga. Obviously, super difficult loss for Pacific, Um, losing by 46 in Spokane. Um, But tomorrow, as you see the the Cougars and Tigers play on CBSSN, watch out for Pacific guard Dennis Jenkins and forward Jeremiah Bailey. Jenkins averaging 13.6 a game and Bailey 10.3 per game. Um, so these are two guys that BYU is going to have to shut down to bounce back with a win over the Tigers.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this game because, one, Pacific, they haven't, like you said, they haven't been able to play much. They've played half the game that BYU has. Um, How do you feel – you feel like that impacts the game at all, like only playing half the games? And I, I know I've heard that they are like, in injury trouble a little bit. Um And, like, even – people at Pacific are like we have we have no clue what to think about this team. Like you said, but last year they did really good. Like uh, Damon Stanebayer went away with the Coach of the Year award, which I think should have been Mark Pope, but I'm biased. <laughs> yeah. Um but how how does that affect the the Pacific Tigers that they've only played half the games? Do you feel like has that much of an
1: effect on the game? I I, I definitely <laughs> think so. I mean the that ability to develop chemistry and uh, eliminate things like turnovers. Um, it's kind of hampered when there's not only fewer games, but super uh, inconsistent games. I think they – I looked at their schedule. They played maybe two or three games to start of the season. And then it hasn't been just until the last two weeks that they've been able to string together four games in a row without a postponement gap. And so uh, it's going to be a tough test for Pacific tomorrow and an important one for BYU to get back on track towards March Madness.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely will be. And it's always interesting especially in our conference with COVID, like until a few days ago, um, Santa Clara wasn't even playing in Santa Clara, they were playing over in Santa Cruz. And that's the same thing with like Stanford. Stanford was also playing over in Santa Cruz, um, which I find very, like, that's got to be super interesting, not playing at your home facility. But like, as we move on, talking about the BYU basketball team, what do you feel um, putting in the whole 16 games and like the new newness of this team is been, is very different. The feeling from this team and last, last year's team. Um, what's, what do you feel like is the biggest strength or what was, what has surprised you this year that you felt like you wouldn't
1: see? Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing is, is something kind of intangible I'm going to go with here. And that's the, the ability that this team has had to blend so well um, to make that a, uh, Best locker room in America, as they proclaim, um, with an abnormal off season. All right, we looked at at, at the 2019-20 team uh, goes on this magical run, but before all of that was an off season, including a um, a trip to play in Italy over the summer, mm-hmm. and gave this team some some opportunity to gel before uh, the the record actually um, started. Uh, piling up in uh, November. And so you take away all of that, you add a uh, grad transfers, Brandon Averitt, Matt Harms, Richard Harward is uh, is now able to play after transferring, um, return missionaries, Spencer, Spencer Johnson. Um, there's a lot of working pieces, a lot of diverse backgrounds. The guys are coming from transfers missions uh, just off the bench from last season, like Trevin Nell and Connor Harding. And the ability that those guys have had to find a way to win, it it hasn't always looked maybe quote-unquote as pretty as reigning threes from T.J. Haas and Jake Toulson last season. But they found a way to win and been able to gel together on both sides of the ball. And, and that, I think, has been the biggest uh, strength of this team so far.
0: No, I definitely agree with that. Just like you see so many different personalities on this team, which I find super fascinating, but they gel together really well. And um kind of like you like we mentioned earlier, I've been so impressed and shocked by the bench of this team. Um cuz I always felt like in years past, like the second crew or the second lineup would come on, you're like, "Oh, how are we going to fare?" cuz BYU has never historically been a great bench team. I felt like. But this year It's kind of our stat of the day. Um, So BYU's bench has outscored their opponent in 16 of their 17 games. And then we are averaging. We're not just outscoring them. We are like annihilating the other team's bench. We are scoring 28.4 points per game uh, um, when the opponent is only scoring 15.6 points per game. Like you are having people come out of nowhere. Like I've been very impressed with Spencer Johnson. And knowing that we'll still have him for three or so years is... I'm. Really excited to see what he's like. And then um my favorite player quickly became my favorite player on this team is Richard Harwood. Like I love watching him just like going down and bruising in the post. It's so much fun to watch him. Um and he's the energy that he brings. Yells after everything, regardless of what it is. He he just like has so much excitement for the team. Um but yeah, that's my definitely my biggest strength. But you know, as we go to like the weakness side, it's the inconsistency of our our starters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if like we need to switch up the starting lineup because I don't know if that's our answer. Um, but just like, you know, Alex Barcelo, like he every once in a while have like a very streaky game. Uh, but I think that's also just because, you know, the other team is cluing in on him. And since we have so many whip we- weapons, they just clue in on him without cluing in on other people on the team. Um, but yeah, like it's I'm excited to see what happens with with the rest of the season, because I know Mark Pope will be able to like refine these players. And um, even though we only have uh, Matt Harms and Brendan Abert for one year, you know what? I I could see us taking a little bit of a deeper run into the postseason than we've done before.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, Bryce, do you remember what happened a year ago tomorrow at the Marriott Center?
0: Um. So if I'm thinking right, it's got to be uh, TJ Haas hitting that amazing game winner for St. Mary's. and. Such an amazing night. I sadly was not at the Marriott Center for this game. I wish I was. I was at one of my friend's houses and I was watching it. Um, but it was still an amazing experience. And the other thing is, you know, it was probably the second best thing that happened to TJ that night. You know, he had his son that night as well. Yeah. Um, Like, just imagine, imagine telling your son, you know, it was an eight night. You know, I had you, but I also had this amazing game winner that I'm always going to remember. But
1: yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, for me, that moment was uh, a little bit of revenge. uh, That was uh, about seven years in the making after we all remember Matthew Delvadova's dagger. Um, But uh, that was one of the most miserable weeks of my freshman year at BYU. I was biking to my campus job and broke my wrist in a biking accident. And uh, it was a rough weekend, and but still uh, <laughs> going to that game and uh, TJ Haas hitting that buzzer beater. And don't forget, before TJ hits that buzzer beater, in fact, maybe uh, before he can ever do that, Jake Toulson is heroic, fighting through some, some horrible ankle pain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we all thought, man, he's done for the season when that ankle gave way in the first half. But to see him come back and and uh, make that play was was definitely inspiring and uh, really lifted the Cougars uh, toward a, a special season last year.
0: Oh, yeah, it definitely was. And like just watching that game and watching his just his snarl after walking towards, I don't even know if he's walking towards our bench, but he was walking towards someone and he just gave off the meanest look I've ever seen from TJ Haas. Um, and he's doing really good right now. He's doing really good over in Poland with the Truffles Sapot. Um, but he's doing really good. Like he grew a beard, like uh, the ginger mamba strikes again with his awesome beard. Um, but the other thing that I remember is like, at least for that year, I felt like that was like the domino that like started all these awesome events at yeah. BYU. Cause you had like, St. Mary's win, then the like, Gonzaga win, and then, you know, the sad domino of coronavirus, but, and then just domino after domino, like I went through like this year long phase of, you know, BYU was on top, like, Like I've never seen it this good. Like BYU volleyball beat Hawaii in Hawaii and BYU like football goes on this amazing run and like, I hope those dominoes keep on going because I still want to see those. Um, But it's just been really cool just to see all that stuff happen.
1: For the, uh, our tradition time today uh, we want to look back at um, BYU football's uh, history in the super bowl and uh I, I did some research on this bryce and, and first of all i was i was kind of surprised just like how how much um BYU football really does have a footprint in the tradition of the super bowl and so i've gathered some content here and i'm gonna kind of turn this into a little bit of a quiz okay that uh i can pose you and hopefully our our listeners can uh, try to think of the answers as well um i hope this is easier than my psychology quiz i took a few days ago i don't know like there's, Um. (laughs) there's quite a depth of information here um so for starters uh bryce can you name the first byu football alum to appear in a super bowl i'll give you the hint yeah, Acred I might need a hint on this. With the Steelers in two back-to-back Super Bowls, 1975 and 1976.
0: This one's 75, the... 1976. Oh, this this is super hard. because This is going back. Like, I know a little bit about, like, seven, 60s and 70s BYU football, but not nearly as much as I want to. Um, The first thought that came to my mind, I know it's, not it. I was going to say Gifford Nielsen, uh, but I know like, he's not, even not in the quite, 70s. Quite, yeah. um,
1: he would come later, though. Yeah. The answer is former BYU offensive lineman Gordon Gravel. I would have never gotten wasn't. The wasn't yeah. That's a tough way <laughs> He was an old lineman um, with those uh, great Terry Bradshaw teams that took home the Lombardi in the mid-70s. Um, okay, Bryce, uh, who is the only – BYU football alum to appear in three consecutive Super Bowls.
0: Um, this has got to be this is Kyle Van Noy. It is, isn't it? it? Is Kyle Van Noy, and That's he, 17th, 19th, 19th, 19th. and he, he, won two of those, didn't he? Right, yep. he and won he two did. of those, and he's on the Miami Dolphins, getting paid like no other right now. So, yeah, we'll see if he he makes it back. It'll be interesting to see what his season's like next year.
1: Yeah. Um. Okay, and then. Bryce, in what, uh, it was Super Bowl twenty three. what year was that Super Bowl played? Because that was the season with the most BYU football alums featured in the Super Bowl between the two teams. So what year?
0: What year was that played? The most
1: former Cougars in a single Super Bowl. Hmm. I'll give you a hint. It's. Wasn't it?
0: I want to say 1993, because that was the San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl, wasn't it? Is that who we're thinking of?
1: I actually cannot remember if the Niners played in the 93 Super Bowl. They did win the Super Bowl in 95. Is that the one we're thinking with of? Steve Young. Kyle. No, it's not oh, 93. It. The answer is 1989. Oh, dang it. It was the 49ers, though. Okay. 49ers 20, Bengals 16 was the final. Um, listen to this lineup of, of BYU guys in there. Jason Buck, former Outland winner BYU, Leon White, and Lee Johnson with the Bengals. Lee Johnson was the punter. And then Steve Young, obviously backing up Joe Montana. Mm-hmm. Uh, and former linebacker Todd Shell, a guy that I think definitely flies under the radar in Cougar history. And then Tom Holmo was the defensive back coach with the 49ers in that Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, so uh, six that's different a... BYU alums. Not only six
0: different BYU alums, six like monumental BYU yeah. alums, in my personal opinion. Like you've got some awesome people still doing amazing things in the football world. So yeah, that's, <laughs> man, I'm not doing very good on this football quiz. Uh, <laughs> it is about as hard as my psychology quiz. <laughs>
1: All right. So uh, let's go for a more recent question. Okay. Um, Who had more tackles in last year's Super Bowl? Daniel Sorensen with the Chiefs or Fred Warner with the Niners?
0: Oh, man. I've got to go. I feel like it's going to be Fred Warner with the Niners. Right.
1: It is Fred Warner. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Fred Warner with seven tackles, five solo, one tackle for loss, and an interception. Led the Niners in a 11 point loss to Andy Reid and the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, we're gonna see uh, Dirty Dan's had an amazing impact on these past playoffs. That's for sure. Regardless if you know we think controversial or not, he he's helped them get to the Super Bowl like no other this year, which has been really cool. Yep.
1: Yep. All right. Last question, Bryce. Um In the last 45 Super Bowls, dating back to 1975. Uh, and how many of those forty-five has at least one BYU alum been featured on a roster or coaching staff?
0: I oh man, I have to think that it's, it's a decent amount of them. It Just because,
1: like, it's impressive.
0: Um, out of forty-five, you it's know, probably what? not
1: Alabama or Ohio State. Good. Well, Alabama,
0: Ohio State's going to be one hundred percent. So it, it, it's impressive. You know, I'm st- I'm going to say about you know ninety percent. Okay. Or is that
1: too high? Uh, am, I, am, am, I, am i shooting actually, for the stars let me, let me I, pull up my calculator here yeah. i didn't calculate the percent uh let's see Cause, cause like
0: i i would guess about 73 73 so we got 33 out of the 45 yeah um i guess i'm just saying because like in the past like 10 or so we've almost had one in the past and yep. every single one because we've had a lot more people go to the nfl whether it be undrafted or not um but yeah like you know we've got this upcoming super bowl we've got two um alumni. Uh, we've got uh, you know Dirty Dan, and then you've got Andy Reid, mm-hmm. who's uh you know the coach, and you know it'll be fun to watch. You've got you know the youth of Kansas City, and then you've got Tom Brady doing I don't know how he's doing it at forty three years old. Um, I wish I could do that at forty three, but who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, like I don't know what's your uh what's your prediction or like opinion on the Super Bowl coming up in the next week or
1: so? Oh man. That's a tough one. Um, oh, I got to go with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I got to go with the Chiefs on this one because, uh, and I'll, I I need to do some more research on this one, but I don't believe that Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians has head coached at least in the Super Bowl. I, I don't think he
0: has, um, as far as I'm aware. And then like this is Andy Reid's what third or fourth Super Bowl? Because this is his second one with Kansas City. And then he had one with Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it will be a very I'm I'm excited for it. Like, um, it'll be interesting to see. It was different than what I personally wanted in the Super Bowl. I wanted the Packers to make it. Because like I I've been a big Aaron Rodgers fan. And then you also got Jamal Williams on that team. Um but it'll be really interesting. I'm I'm predicting a close game, not a super high-scoring game, because both defenses are actually really good. Um, but we'll see. I'm picking kind of the same thing, Kansas City. I just don't feel like Tampa Bay is the offensive, I'm like firepower. Um, but you never know with Tom Brady. Like he is the king of all Super Bowls. Been in over half of every single, um, you know, finals, and in uh, his career. But we'll see.
1: Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. So catch the uh, Super Bowl next Sunday on CBS. All right, Bryce, as we uh, get ready to close up the podcast for a day, let's just kind of wrap up with a brief overview of what's going on in Cougar Sports this next week.
0: Uh, We've got a lot going on with the pandemic and with the coronavirus. Every single sport is playing right now. Um, So to start off, Like, reiterate, we've got men's basketball versus Pacific on Saturday at 4 p.m. You can catch that on CBS Sports Network.
1: And the Cougar Hoopsters uh, continue their uh, WCC play next week on the road at San Diego on Tuesday at 7 p.m. on Stadium Sports and at Portland on Thursday, also on Stadium Sports, a five mountain time tip off. Valuable opportunity for the Cougars to maybe fine tune some things. They find themselves playing the two. Worst teams in the conference next week.
0: Yeah, and like we've already played uh, Portland once this year. Like we uh, annihilated them, and it was a fun game to watch. Um, we also want to r- remind you guys that they're, uh, our women's basketball team, who is second in the WCC play, will be playing San Diego on Saturday at 12 p.m. You can catch that on the BYU TV app. And then we, they will also be playing a very hard game against uh, number 18 Gonzaga at Gonzaga at 6 p.m. Um, Which I'm actually really excited to see the outcome of that game. It will show a lot of what this women's basketball team is made of, because like this women's basketball team is not to be messed around with. Like they're really good. You got Shaila Gonzalez, you got Lauren Gustin. you've got um, Paisley Harding. There's just a lot of things going on, and like Shaila Gonzalez, like she's a lot of fun to watch. Like she's an amazing player. Then we also have women's basketball versus Pepperdine on Thursday
1: at 6 p.m. on the BYU TV app. Women's soccer will kick off their season with an exhibition match this Saturday, January 30th at 5 p.m. versus Weber State and Harriman at the Zions Bank Academy. You can catch that live on BYU TV. See Michaela Coulahan and the Cougars start a hopeful run back to the NCAA tournament this season.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, After a, a sweep of Portland by our women's volleyball team, they will go and play utah valley this week this is a um on the fly type game it wasn't on our schedule um because the games that they had with i believe pacific were canceled this this week sadly but it's awesome to see them get a game against you know crosstown rival utah valley and we would also like to be, give a big shout out to our men's volleyball who is number one in the nation right now and finished number one last year we'll have their first game against ucla at 7 p.m. And you can catch that on BYU TV. In my personal opinion, that non-BYU basketball, that is the game to watch this week. Like, I, like besides BYU basketball and men's football, um, our volleyball team is probably my favorite thing to watch. Like, they are sensational to watch out on the court. Um, but, yeah, they will start their run at another, hopefully, national championship because I think they really had a good chance of being a national champion, champion last year.
1: Yeah, catch men's volleyball on Thursday, 7 o'clock, BYU-TV from the Smithfield House as they take on number 9 UCLA. And, and I agree, Bryce, uh, this men's volleyball team is uh, definitely one to watch um, this season. And, uh, yeah, we, we thank you for joining us for this first episode of Defending Y Mountain. And uh, we'll be releasing another one next week. So stay tuned and go Cougars. Yeah. Go Cougars. Have a great week.